presence of God, they're sitting on thrones. They're casting their crowns at his feet. They're singing songs as we see in chapter 5. It says new songs, songs of the redeemed. Who can sing the songs of the redeemed? The redeemed. You're going to be singing, you're beautiful. You're going to be overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the majesty, by the presence, by the throne room itself. The Holy of Holies that, that was created on earth is just a picture of what's in heaven. And it's not even close to what was, that's what, that what's in heaven. It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we don't go and we don't tell veterans on Memorial Day, thank you for your service. We do that on Veterans Day. Memorial Day is you reflect on the men and women who have given their life for this country, that have laid down their lives. And you reflect on that. And, and I think the best way that you can honor someone that has given their life is that you live freely. Are you guys awake today? Hello. Come on. If, I, if we can't be like, it's Memorial Day, people have given their lives for our freedom, and we should probably live our lives freely. Holy smokes. Okay. Well, thank you for reflecting. Now let's participate. All right? I think, it's Foursquare Pentecostal? I'm not sure. Is it? Okay. So it's okay if you make some noise. Oh, hallelujah. Just wondering if I didn't go into the wrong church today. So we reflect on veterans who have given their ultimate sacrifice. Amen? And I believe the greatest way you can honor someone is by living freely. Amen? Amen. Especially in these times. You know, we get to celebrate Memorial Day this year. Isn't that interesting? They might let us fire some fireworks this year for our independence. <laughs> well, I would say free people do it anyways. Amen? That's what free people do. You honor your veterans. You honor those who've sacrificed by living freely. Now, I want to transition that to the one that we should really reflect on Memorial Day. His name is Jesus. He came to this earth. He took upon the sin of the world so that we could live freely. Amen? And the best way we can honor Jesus is that we live freely. Amen? That we, we share our faith, that we talk about him, that we're not scared and we don't go run and hide, that we go out in the light, just like he did. Amen? Amen. So happy Memorial Day. And uh, reflect on that today. Those men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be free. How about we live that way? Amen? Amen. That's my mini sermonette. Um, the real message today is we're going to be finishing Daniel's 70th week, and I believe that to be true, and I'm, I'm not, I think, I'm just going to say I'm going to speak in faith and prophesy that, and if I'm a false prophet today, then we'll, we'll go from there, and you guys can stone me afterwards. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying we're going to finish Revelation, but I do believe we'll finish Daniel's 70th week, and you should have a clear understanding. Amen? <clears throat> um. Something I just want to share before we get into that, and I'm going to be all over the place today, kind of like normal. Um, I've been doing some reading, and, and I, some people have been giving me some videos and some stuff like, Pastor Steve, I'm worried this guy said this about the rapture, or that the rapture's not happening until later, and, and I don't know, I'm scared, and, 
What do you think? Um, well, so far to this point, I think we've covered an enormous amount of Scripture. Amen? And we're not done. <laughs> You're going to know that you know that you know. Um, chapter 4 is the transition of the church. Remember, he, John said, write in chapter 1, write the things which you have seen. Write the things which are, which was the, during that time, the church age. And write those things that are hereafter. Metatata. So chapter 4 is metatata. Not once, but twice in chapter 4, verse 1. Hereafter. One of the things, one of the, the doctrines, um, pre-wrath is called, which sounds good. Like, yeah, I believe pre-wrath. I mean, any pre-trib person will say, I'm pre-wrath. But you're different in, basically, it's a new name for mid-trib. So they don't believe that the wrath of God happens till about the middle of the book. And they, what, there was a guy that wrote a book about it just probably recently in the last 30, 40 years. And he says, and I hear a lot of pre-wrath people say that the pre-trib position is a new position. It's about 100 years old. There, isn't, there wasn't any of the old um, church fathers or anyone that ever taught that. It's a new thing. And you'll hear that same sentiment preached over and over and over from pre-wrath people or mid-trib. And I just want to clarify that. That's not true. And I, I hear me. I'm not saying that mid-trib people purposefully are liars. You follow me? There's some misinformation that gets repeated. You follow me? There was a book that was written, and a lot of people go and they, they repeat what they hear. Follow me? So I don't believe the person that wrote it is a liar. I don't think they did enough homework. Okay? So I'm going to give you a little history lesson just so that part that gets repeated a lot can be dispelled. All right? So from an early church, well, let's start from the beginning. I would say 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians is pretty clear <laughs> of the pre-tribulation rapture, okay? And we, we'll look at that. But I don't think you can go any further back than Paul, all right? That's pretty early church, right? Okay, after Paul, um, there's an epistle of Barnabas, A.D. 100. And in the first century, Barnabas writes about pre-tribulation position. Irenaeus, in Against Heresies, also first century. Hippolytus, a disciple of Irenaeus, in the second century. Justin the Martyr, in his dialogue with Trypho, this is second century. Ephraim, the Syrian, in fourth century, 306 through 373. That is before the late 1800s, which most mid-trib and pre-wrath folks will say that's when the pre-trib position started. Okay? We, we good? So we know that saying that pre-tribulational position is just a new current thing. It's not, none of the early church fathers believed that. That's just not so. So some folks didn't do some homework. Amen? Honestly, not that, now that's, this is history, so history is history, right? You can't change it. It, it is what it is. But even if that wasn't there, I still would use scripture and come up with the same conclusion. Amen? Amen? Like, if, if no one else in the last 2,000 years believed, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, 
would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's different positions on that. Doesn't change the fact that that's the truth. That's the character of God. And that is a, is a, a statement that you can see all through Scripture. Amen? Okay. Good. All right. That was for free. You got some history for free today. Amen? Don't believe everything you hear is the point. All right. So we were going through Daniel's 70th week, and let's uh, go back and read Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 24. If you weren't here last week, I would go back and listen to last week's message to get really the download. But um, the 70 weeks starts in verse 24 of chapter 9, and it says, 70 weeks have been decreed for who? Your people. And your holy city, which is Jerusalem. We covered that last week. Who is the 70 weeks for? Israel. All right? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Now, we covered those last week. Have all of those happened yet? Nope. So is the 70 weeks done? No. That is some positions of mid-tribs and post-tribs and all kinds of other um, eschatological positions. But we can see right there that that hasn't finished yet. So there's still, there's still the seventh week or the 70th week is not there yet. But we can see the 69. So verse 25 says, so you are to know and discern. Now here's the, here's the scope. It says, from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah. So from until the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is what? 69. It will be built again with plaza and moat. That's the city of Jerusalem, even in times of distress. Okay, then verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, well, which came before the 62 was seven, so it's after the 69, and I don't know why that happens, but praise the Lord, it is that way. After the 62, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined. Now you have the 70th week, verse 27. And he, who is the prince who is to come, who I would call the Antichrist, will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Thank you, Lord, for the book of Daniel. Now, why we are studying the book of Daniel is because um, in, well, in Matthew 24, in the Olivet Discourse, the disciples came and they asked Jesus, Jesus, explain to us, tell us, when is the end going to come? Tell us about the signs. Tell us, what, how is it going to be and what's it going to be like? And Jesus says, and points them to, as, it was in the, as Daniel prophesied, as the prophet Daniel said, so we look at that, we look at the 70 weeks that Jesus pointed the disciples to to gain understanding. Amen? Amen. So we covered 
we covered a lot last week. Um, we went all the way through the scope, and I believe we're at the interval now. Now, this is where um, I really want to make this clear, and there were some questions that have already come up. On I'm not, they're like, I'm, I'm, it seems like there's a lot of space for seven, for this final seventh week. There's an interval. Can you put up, um, I made a, well, I didn't make it. I stole this from Chuck Misler. Um, if you could put up the interval section. Okay. So, verse 25 tells us of the seven and the 62, and it says there will be an end of the Messiah, right? Verse 26, there's an interval of space and time. How do we know that? Well, Jesus dies and resurrects after verse 25. So you get the end of 69 weeks at verse 25. How do I know that? Because verse 26 says, then after the 62 weeks, which what's first? The seven weeks. So after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. So after verse 25, Jesus will be cut off. It says the Messiah will be cut off. And in some translations, it says looking to accomplish nothing. Right? Because Israel's thinking Messiah is going to establish the kingdom. They're going to rule and reign from that point and kick Rome out. That was their whole mission. So it looks like he accomplishes nothing. So that's after verse 25. And then, then it goes on to say that the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, the one that they just had rebuilt. Well, when that happened, if you know history, that was 70 A.D., 70 A.D., the temple in, in Jerusalem was under siege by um, Rome, and it was destroyed. So what I want you to see is that after verse 25, you have 70 A.D., which was 38 years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, which is more than seven. You following me? So that tells us there's a space of time between the end of the 69 weeks and the 70th week, because the 70th week starts when the Antichrist, the prince who is to come, sets up his kingdom. And that's going to happen. We see that in the book of Revelation, that he will bring a treaty. And I believe it's going to probably be a land treaty that the Antichrist will, will refund. And, and the, is, the land that Israel's given up over the past for peace will be reestablished. And I can show you in, in uh, Daniel 12 that that's probably so. Midway through... He's going to revoke his treaty, his covenant that he makes with Israel and establish himself in the Holy of Holies and, and receive worship. That is three and a half years in to the 70th week. And that from three and a half years in is what as Jesus says is great tribulation. That's like, oh, you done messed up now. All right. So what I want you to see is in Daniel's 70th weeks, there's an interval. We know that it goes over seven years, and the 70th week starts in verse 27. And he gives us a, another timeline. Remember the first 69 weeks, there's a from until. Isn't the Holy Spirit awesome? He knows we're going to go like, wait a minute. So what is this interval? How long is the interval? Well, so far to this point, it's about 2,000 years. Which is, during this interval, you would call that the church age. There's a break. You remember when Jesus came, he didn't just give his, 
his meat and his food, who did he come to? His people, to Israel. Remember the Samaritan woman said, Master, like I need this. He said, I can't give the bread, the food to the dogs. And what did she say? She didn't get offended. She said, but yes, but even the dogs get the scraps off the table. He said, good answer. <laughs> Here's some, but he came in the purpose to get Israel's attention for them to see he was the Messiah. And when he came in the triumphal entry, they started to recognize it, but they very quickly turned on that. And had they, I believe, had they received it, the millennium would have started right then and there. Peace would have been established, but they rejected the king, which brought in the church age. Now, when's the 70th week start? Once we're gone. Once the age of the Gentiles or the number of Gentiles is accomplished, is completed. Those that come in. Now, that doesn't mean he's turned his back on Israel during this time. Any person that's a Jew that receives Christ as Messiah is part of the church. But the majority have not. The purpose of tribulation, that seven-year period, is to get Israel's attention to recognize Jesus as their Messiah. You following me? All right. Do you see the interval? Now let's read it so you can see it. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. For who? That's not the United States. That's not you. That's for Daniel's people. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. That will all happen after the 70 weeks. That all will be accomplished. We know it ain't all accomplished yet. Why? Because it hasn't all happened yet. You following me? Okay. So then they thank you, Daniel, and Holy Spirit, forgiveness to Daniel. He says, you are to know and discern. He wants us to know and discern. You know who else wanted that? Jesus, when he told his disciples and taught about this, he said, you need to gain understanding. He said, don't let no one mislead you. Don't let anyone deceive you about what I'm telling you. That means we're supposed to do our homework in this and understand it. Amen? I'm glad you guys agree. You are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, and we saw, when did that happen? Remember, um, King Xerxes gave the decree to go and rebuild I believe that was in that seven-year period. So from there until Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 69. It will be built again. Jerusalem will be built again with plaza and moat. That means wall and road, street and wall. Even in times of distress. Now here's the interval. Then after, after what? The 69 weeks. You would think that 70 comes right after that. Not so. After the 69 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off having and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So that happens 70 AD, which is way after seven years. And its end will come with a flood. Did Jerusalem's end come with a flood? Yes, a huge flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he... We'll make a firm covenant with the many for one week. Okay, there's the final week. You following me? Who's he? The prince who is to come that was destroying the city and the sanctuary of Jerusalem. 
It says, for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. So he makes a firm covenant with Israel. He restores Israel. He promises them that they're going to have their land restored. And then midway through, he goes back. He violates the covenant. The one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So after the 69 week, the Messiah would be cut off, killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. We see that in Isaiah 53. That was after 69 weeks. Now, after just means sometime after. Doesn't give specifics on that. After the 69 weeks. Doesn't say for, you know, a 300-year period or 2,000-year period. What's interesting is he doesn't give that time because whatever that time is, isn't for Israel. Israel isn't the focus. Daniel's 70 weeks is for who? His people and for his city. Following me? So he's not given specifics about that time because that time ain't for Daniel. Which would tell us that this time ain't for... Thank you, Chris. That should make you happy if you understand what the 70th week is. After sometime Jesus would be killed and then it jumps ahead to the prince who shall come after who will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The Roman government under Titus in 70 AD destroyed the city and temple. Titus did not want the temple destroyed, but the strong resistance angered the Roman soldiers, so they burned it. Now, this is interesting. That's 70 AD. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 when the disciples were all pointing at the temple how glorious and beautiful it was. He says, not one stone will be on top of the other. You know how that happened? When Rome set that place on fire and, and the Jews were fighting and resisting, they got so angry that they burned the temple. The dome was gold. Gold melted down into all the bricks and those big, big stones. So after it melted down in there, the, this is history. The soldiers went brick by brick and took it apart to get the gold out. Not one stone was left upon another. That happened in 70 AD. Jesus knew what he was talking about. Amen? So, now you can see that in Matthew 24 too. That fulfilled Jesus' prophecy. Jerusalem's end did come like an overflowing flood, which would be followed by more wars and more desolations and judgments by, and judgments by God. We're 2,000 years into this. Now let's look at the 27th week. You guys follow me on the in interval? Because that's really important to see. It's important to see a few things in Daniel's 70th weeks. Who's, who's it for? His people, his city. From until, which we have historical dates for that, which we covered last week. There's an interval. We know that there has to be an interval because it was over seven years that the temple was destroyed. We have that historical record. We know that the Antichrist hasn't made peace yet. So that's still to come. We know he hasn't established himself as the God of all gods, which Daniel says in chapter 12 he's going to do. All right? Okay. So verse 27, it says, and he, circle he. Make sure you circled the prince who is to come. That's the same he. He makes a firm covenant for one week. This is not Jesus. 
Some people will say that this prince who is to come is Christ. This is not Christ. Christ doesn't violate his covenants. You following me? He makes a firm covenant for one week. This is not Jesus. His covenant, Jesus' covenant is still standing. Not seven years, and Jesus does not break covenants. The prince who is to come destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD. His people were the Romans. Now, some of you say, well, how do you know there was Antichrist? Jesus said, and they probably... That many antichrists, the, the apostles are saying, antichrists are going to come. There's been many antichrists. There's, you're saying, has there been? There's been many, many under the influence of antichrist. Many antichrist types. Hitler was an antichrist. He wasn't the antichrist. But what was his purpose? Annihilate Jews. He killed, Hitler killed, and, and this is not popular history, one in three. One in three Jews were murdered during the Holocaust. One in three. When Antichrist is in charge, two of three. That's a lot. What spirit was behind Hitler? Antichrist spirit. There's been many Antichrist spirits. The man of lawlessness is an Antichrist spirit. We've been watching that in this last year. Lawlessness abounded. Who's behind that? Antichrist. Now, I need you to understand Antichrist isn't like equal to Christ. He's this opponent that's equal. Antichrist is like a false. That's what anti means. It's false. He's an actor, a pretend, not real, not the real deal. There's a lot of things Hitler did too. He, he made a mark. He made people worship him. Like he definitely was under that spirit. But this happened in 70 AD by the Romans, not the people of the Messiah. I want you to see, this wasn't Jesus as the prince, okay? This wasn't Jesus who came and destroyed Rome or destroyed Jerusalem. Jesus loved Jerusalem. Jesus is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. The Romans made no covenant with the Jews after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Did the Romans make a covenant? No. So that wasn't that time yet. Some people will say the 70th week has already happened. That happened during that time. Well, the Romans didn't make a covenant with Israel. Can't be that. You can't put, you can't put that. The Romans made no covenant with the Jews after the death and resurrection of Jesus. The signs Jesus prophesied were not all fulfilled in the destruction carried out by the armies of Titus, which means Daniel's 70th week of years is still to come, and the tribulation is seven years long. That's how we get that. So what am I talking about? All of the prophecies that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21, all of those haven't happened, even at the A.D. 70. That means this is still to come. You follow me? Some people claim the 70, 70 of seven of years came immediately after the crucifixion, but the Roman destruction of the temple came 30, 40 years after the death of Jesus, and the fact of the Roman destruction came before the 70th week of years. It shows there's a gap between the 69th and the 70th year. Let's look at the Antichrist. Antichrist will make a covenant with the many Jewish people at the beginning of the tribulation period. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years in, Antichrist will break his covenant and desecrate the temple by demanding worship of himself in it. Let's look at Matthew 24 for a second. Why do we look at Daniel's 70th week? 
Matthew 24, verse 15 through 22. This is Jesus. He says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Now, just for fun, I want you guys to understand there's been some question recently. Well, how do we know the Old Testament was real? Jesus authenticates the Old Testament. Jesus authenticates just about every single book through the Old Testament. So we know that those books that are in the canon are legit. Okay? Here's what I know. Daniel's a prophet. For sure, he's a prophet of God. And he's the author of the book of Daniel. Why? Jesus said it. <laughs> we don't have to wonder. Well, I wonder who wrote Is Daniel actually... Jesus is saying, look at the book of Daniel. Daniel the prophet. I rest my case. <laughs> it says... Standing in the holy place, what's he talking about? The abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, will be standing in the holy place. When that happens, let the reader understand. This is Jesus' words. Let the reader understand. Then, those who are in Judea, where? Okay, who, who lives in Judea? You know who doesn't live in Judea? Me. I don't live in Judea. Are you guys following my path on this? Okay, because... Because Jesus is in line with Daniel, and all of Scripture is in line with this position. You have to get out of Scripture to find another position. Okay? All right. He says, those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out of the house. Who lives on housetops? People who live in Judea. And whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those women who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Moreover, pray that when you flee, it will not be in the winter or on Sabbath. Who follows the Sabbath? Besides Seventh-day Adventist. Jews. I knew someone was going to say it, so I had to just throw that out there. <laughs> For then there will be a great tribulation. A what? Great tribulation. When... The abomination of desolation, when the Antichrist places himself on the throne, there will be great tribulation. That's the worst of the three and a half years. The, and people say, oh, it's going to be just peace for three and a half years. It's not going to be peace for three and a half years. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. There's going to be some land restored. But as we're going to see, seals are opening. It's not like, hey, this is awesome. Because in chapter 6, you have... Kings, everyone in the world say, in caves, hiding, praying that the rocks will fall on them. So it's not kumbaya, we're cooking s'mores. He's just saying, and Jesus is saying, at that point is great tribulation. There's a distinction. It's going to get, all hell's going to break loose. That's when you start seeing the speedy bowls are getting dumped out. Just boom, wrath, 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 wrath. It's no joke, and we will get there. Such as not has occurred. This great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world. This has not occurred yet. How do I know that that 70 AD thing isn't, isn't what Jesus is talking about? Because he's saying, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now or ever will again. And if those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. That's not 70 AD. That only affected Jerusalem. You following me? Jesus is speaking of a further event to come. Now, I'm going to give you a little extra homework. Can you handle it? Go read Luke 21. Read Matthew 24. 
and look very closely, you're going to see a few differences, which we're going to probably cover at some point. I'm going to give you a little heads up. I believe Luke 21, you're going to see the word before signs, before signs. I believe Luke and Jesus was speaking to Luke and they're at two different places, Luke and Matthew. Luke's in the temple. Jesus is speaking at, in the temple. The Mount of Olivet is Matthew 24. He's speaking to them about 70 AD. That's about to come. Very similar situations. There was an abomination. The temple was destroyed. City was surrounded. He said, you better get the heck out because they're coming. He's telling them that in Luke. Matthew's telling them, it says after. Luke's before. Matthew's after. They're not in the same time. We like to harmonize the Gospels because it's a good thing to do. We want to make harmony out of all the Gospels. But we can get in trouble when we don't look real close at the specifics and harmonize it all together. That's why it gets real confusing. Anyone ever get confused on that? Trying to read through Matthew 24, you're like, so are we in or are we out or what the heck's going on? Well, first you got to read, who's he talking to? He's not talking to you. He's talking to Israel. You following me? So we're going to get down and break that down too. So just have fun. Go do some study ahead of time so it'll make sense. He says, and if those days had not been cut short, it's going to be so bad during the tribulation. If those days had not been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. For whose sake? The elect. That's Israel. How do I know that? Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 4. I wish I had time. I'd, we'd just go on a tear. <clears throat> if we have time, I will go on a tear. How's that? Timothy. That's why it didn't look right. There we go. Turn a few pages back. I'm like, uh, where are we at? <laughs> All right. Two, one, two, four. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and gathering together to him. So what is Paul talking about? In regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus and our, our gathering together to him. Who's that? He's writing to a church. Follow me? That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit. He says, like, look, quit tripping. That's what, that's what Paul's saying at this point. Quit tripping. They were all freaked out in the first one. Like, wait a minute. What the heck happens if people die before the, before the rapture? Like, what's going to happen to them? Paul's got to set their mind at ease. Look, don't worry about them. The dead in Christ are going to rise. Then you're going to get raptured. They were worked about themselves. Like, well, maybe, maybe we've missed it. He's writing to them again because some people are coming and saying, hey, you guys, missed, you guys missed the rapture. And they're freaked out. And he's like, what? So he's got to set this. He's like, basically tells them, you're still here. You haven't missed the rapture. <laughs> you, know how, you know how I know we didn't miss the rapture? We're still here. Right? So he says that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit. He says, I don't care if a spirit tells you. A messenger or a letter, as it is from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. It has not come. 
Let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. Now, we covered this some months back. But that word, and if you're not mistranslating it, or it, this word apostasy can mean the departure. And I believe that's what he is saying. Because if you put in context everything that's been written, what is the context of the story? What is he speaking about? Rapture. He says, and I'm okay with even saying apostasy because that's happening now. There is an apostasy. There, what's apostasy? Falling away. That's what the Laodicean church, if you looked at church ages, that's the age we're in of the church. The falling away. They're lukewarm. They're being spewed out of his mouth. This isn't a misread. It's, it can be apostasy. Literally can mean departure. Unless the apostasy or the departure comes first. And what? The man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Displaying himself as being God. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed from the Lord, will slay with the breath of his mouth, and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Now, the man of lawlessness is not coming on the scene until the restrainer is taken away. You follow me? Who's the restrainer? Holy Spirit's a great answer. Who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Who's the only people to ever have the Holy Spirit indwell them? The church. The Israel would, would be power endued upon for a, a season... It would rest upon the power of the Holy Spirit would come on and go. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We are indwelt and empowered by the Spirit of God. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit, but it is the church that the Holy Spirit resides in. The church and the Holy Spirit have to be taken out of the way for the man of lawlessness to be able to establish and take over. You following me? This is what Paul says. That should make you sleep good at night. He, said, he goes on, he says, that is the one whose coming is, the, is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deceptions of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. The ones who are perishing are the ones who did not receive the love of the truth. Who received the love of the truth? You guys are, should be a lot more excited about this. Us, the church, we, I received the truth. So who's perishing? Those who did not receive the love of the truth. The love of the truth is called the good news, the gospel. I received the gospel, so I'm not perishing. You following me? Is this scripture? Is this what Paul said when they were freaked out and they're like, oh my gosh, we've missed it. Let me clear this up for you. The Antichrist has to come, 
Has he came yet? No, you're good. You're going to have to be taken out of the way before he comes. And we know when Antichrist comes, according to what Jesus said, look to Daniel chapter 9. He hasn't came yet. He hasn't established his 70th week. He's not in charge. The church is supposed to be. How are we doing? They did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Who's saved? And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. You ever wonder why, man, how come they can't see it? They missed it. They're under a deluding influence until the 70th week. And guess who's going to be witnessing to them? Not us in the 70th week because our job is to witness during the church age. When we're taken away, whose job is it to witness? The two witnesses, who's going to get some attention? And the 144,000 that have been set aside. They will evangelize, and, and it was prophesied. There, has been, there is no section of time more written about throughout the Bible than this time period that we're talking about. That's why we're spending a lot of time here. It says that five men will grab onto one Jew's garment and say, lead us, you know the way to salvation during the tribulation period. This is not to be confused. Some people will get confused and say, well, that happened. The abomination of desolation happened when Antiochus IV set up in the temple December 16th, 167 B.C. That's in Daniel chapter 11. Look at the date, 167 B.C. That's not the 70th week. So was there... Was there a pagan that set up in the, holy, in the Holy of Holies an idol of Zeus, made to Zeus? And did they sacrifice swine flesh on the altar? Yes, that did happen. That happened in 167 B.C. It's very interesting. There's always types and shadows. It seems to be with prophecy. You'll always see types and shadows to be like, oh, that could happen. And people get confused. Oh, that happened back there. That wasn't the Antichrist. And I know that because Jesus is speaking way after 167 B.C. that it's to come. You following me? That, and I have to mention this because people go, well, that happened. Did that already happen? That's 70. No, 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 no. Jesus prophesied that the abomination that Daniel saw was still to come. Matthew 24, 15, Mark 13, 14. I want to talk about tribulation or Daniel's 70th week a little bit more so we can clear some of this up as we go forward. The first half of the tribulation is 1,260 days. And guess how long the second half is? Now, we see that in the book of Daniel, chapter 12. He gives us 70 week, so a, a, a seven-year period. He gives us the days, so we don't screw it up. 1,260 days by 1,260 days. He even tells us months, 42 months, two 42-month sections, seven years. It'll be a three-and-a-half year and three-and-a-half year, a 42-month and a 42-month, or Daniel's 70th week. Tribulation releases God's wrath on earth. 
It is the purpose to get Israel's attention. How many of you, when your dad come and put a whooping on you, got your attention? Yes, sir. I see the error in my way. It's the love of God. And you say, oh, man, God's wrath. God can't, he, he is all loving all the time. He, he does not lower his love when he does something that you see as wrath. He is just and perfect. He's at, he never cannot be who he is. It's the love of God that gives them another chance. They rejected him as Messiah. They crucified him. And he's given them, look, I'm going to give you Daniel's final 70th week is for you to get your attention. He loves Israel. Remember, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Israel, I wish like a mother hen how I could gather you under my wings. But they rejected him. This will get their attention. This releases the wrath of God on earth. The first half is identified with the wrath of the Lamb. Turn with me if you have your Bible. Revelation chapter 6. We're going to fast forward a little bit. Because I just want to clear up some, some people. Pre-wrathers will say the wrath of God doesn't come until later. After bowls are getting opened up. And this is early on. Chapter 6, we'll probably start around 15. Now, this is, this is assumed, chapter 6 is the beginning of the seals being opened. So, chapters 4 and 5 is the throne room of heaven. And just a fun little fact, the church, after chapter 4, is you'll never see the church again on the earth. Not on the earth, until chapter 19, coming back with Jesus to kick some tail. Amen? There's no mention of the church. People say, well, these guys, those were martyrs. They're clothed differently. That's why I covered the clothing sometime back. They're in white robes, not white raiment. In the Greek word stole, that's different than raiment, the priestly garments. Okay? Chapter 6, verse 15 says, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man. Does that about cover everybody? I love, I love this. The kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man. We got everybody there? What did they all do? Hid themselves in, in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they, who, all of those people, said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? You know how I know this hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne is not us? Because there's no believer, no Christian who will ever say, hide me from his presence. Hide me from his face. We're all the time, I want to see your face. We sing songs about, I want to see your face. We want his presence. We're praying, God, fill this place with your presence. I'm not going to be crying 
in hiding in a rock that the rocks are going to crush on me so I don't have to see his face or to be in his presence. You know why? I'm redeemed. I've been redeemed. There was a time in my life that I was like, leave me alone. Stay away from me. You know what? I wasn't bought by the blood of Jesus then. I didn't want to be in his presence. I ran from him. I didn't want to come and be in the sanctuary. I didn't want to gather with the saints. I know that ain't me. And don't tell me it's not wrath until the final three and a half years. Because what does this say? Him who sits on the throne, it says, hide us. Calls for the rocks to fall on us, hide us from him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? That don't sound too peachy keen to me. That's just the sixth seal. No person of the church would ever say, hide me from the Lord's face or from his presence. Now, the second part of tribulation is called the wrath of God. And you can see that in Revelation, quite a few places, but we'll just look at a few. Revelation uh, 14, 9 through 10. Revelation 16, 1. Revelation 14, 9 says, Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on the forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Full strength. The Antichrist is going to bring it out. He's going to say, he's going to, he's, Jesus is going to say, that's enough. That's enough. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the wrath of all God, dumped out, measured in full strength. That's the great tribulation. That's the final three and a half years. Also in Revelation 16, 1, says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. And I want you to see that there is wrath from chapter 6 all the way through till chapter 19. There's wrath in the first three and a half years. There's wrath in the great tribulation, the final three and a half. You guys following me? Can you, show, can you put up the other um, slide that I had? This was your 69 weeks. The command to restore Jerusalem. That decree of Artaxerxes in March 14th, 445 B.C. 
Till when? The Messiah, the King, the triumphal entry. April 6th, 32 AD. Remember we talked about this last week? I told you I would have something up there so you can see it. You could take a picture on your phone if you want. I want you to see that everything prophesied about this time period and through the 70 weeks happened exactly like he said it would. Which would lead me to believe that I don't have to wonder if the final 70th week is going to exactly like he said it would. You follow me? All of our Old Testament prophecies all happened exactly like he said they would. I don't believe there's going to be any prophecy that isn't going to happen exactly like Jesus said. You follow me? There's, there's a lot of different thought process in how we interpret scripture. we got a little bit of time, so maybe I'll do that. Your hermeneutics is what you believe about scripture. The more literal you believe the word of God, you're going to tend to be a pre-trib. If you hold very loosely or you're more, um, it's allegorical or it's more poetic, which is, uh, unfortunately, majority of the church um, believes eschatology is just very poetic and it's very allegorical. You don't take it very literally. That's why they have, have, have a very loose sense of translation of what's going to happen and how. So they just go, well, it's like very poetic. It's hard to understand. And they come up with some different um, views. There's weird, there's a pre-terrorism, which a pre-terrorist believe that everything, it's all already happened. Now I know, like we don't have to spend much time there because I don't see no lions and no lambs laying together, right? There is not peace on the earth. <laughs> we go World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, I mean, they're just, this, we're not in the millennium, okay? So that view I think is pretty kooky for Cocoa Puffs. Um, if you're, if Anyways, I'm sorry, I said that. Um, if, you, if you have a sense of a high view of scripture, a high view of text, that's your hermeneutics are going to point you to a pre-trib position. That doesn't, now I do want you to hear me, that doesn't mean there's not very good scholars that don't think differently. Okay. I'm not saying because I'm a pre-trib person that I've got the Bible all figured out and there isn't any other people that have any sense that think, you know, think differently. What I'm saying is they're looking through a different set of lenses. They're looking through lenses that would be very allegorical or poetic. If you look through a set of lenses of your hermeneutics that, that are, you take a very strong literal interpretation of scripture, it's going to land you and you're going to see over and over and over people... Any, anyone that studied these things, if they lean more into the literal, they end up in a, as a pre-trip position. Okay, and I'm just foolish enough to believe since all the prophecies that have been prophesied through Scripture all happened just like they said they would, even when they made no sense at all at the time, I'm pretty sure that they're going to continue to do that. Right? I mean, that's a very simple way to say those are the lenses that I look through. And the more, more literal you look at Scripture, most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, 
That's going to be the right path if you have a question. You don't have to go, well, I wonder. Now, I'm not saying that there's not an um, analogy that, that Jesus can use or that there's, there is um, types and shadows in Scripture. But when he says like a thousand, they mean a thousand. Mean a gallon? Means a gallon. I don't have to wonder. Means the, the stars and the moon are going to sc- fall from the sky? I think he means the stars and the moon are going to fall from the sky. Now, how is that going to happen? I have no idea. Like, do I understand it? Nope. But I believe it. Are you following me? So you're either going to have an allegorical view or a literal view, parallel or separate, precise or approximate. Like, I don't see God doing approximates a whole lot. I see scripture is very precise. That's going to land you on a position of pre-tribulation. If you believe literally scripture, you take it very precisely And the more you do that, the more you're going to see over and over through Scripture that it is all stacking up in line. You follow me? You don't have to wonder, like, well, I don't know. It's very allegorical. and Who can know? It's very poetic. Even in the poetry books, like, even in books like Ruth, you think, why is that book even in the Bible? Jesus isn't even mentioned. Read it again. Read the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a huge, beautiful picture of what's going to happen during the tribulation. And you're like, what? Oh, yes. It's beautiful. God actually is like, let me show you over and over and over and over and over and over all through Scripture what my plan is and how much I love you. You follow me? God wants this to be so clear. He says, Don't let anyone mislead you. Don't let anyone. You know what? That means there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of different thoughts on this as we get closer to the end. Do you follow me? And I don't know about you, but I don't believe when Jesus says over and over and over, like, don't let your heart be troubled. Paul's telling his church, like, quit freaking out. It's going to be okay. He doesn't want us worried right now. Like, we should be so secure, not... Now, here's what a lot of um, post-trib and mid-trib people will say about us pre-trib people. Well, you guys are just going to kick back on the couch and just, like, you're just waiting for him to come get you. And you know what? Sad to say, there's some that are. But that ain't me. Most of them are like, well, I'm getting ready to fight. And on that side, um, I kind of agree with them. Not on, like, I got to go physically fight with people, but that there's a war coming. Right? Yeah, I agree with that. That's why we're, we're not, like, on a cruise ship right now. Right? I want to see as many people get saved as possible. Why? Because I know he's coming. I'm not going to kick back on my couch eating bonbons. I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up. No, we need to get as many people as we can saved because I don't want the wrath of God poured out on them. You follow me? Now, if, if you have a pre-trib view and you're not in that mindset, you need to get a new mindset. Now, with mid-trib people, I agree with you on that. We need to get as many people saved. I'm just not going to be here during the tribulation to do it. If you want to be, get in that line. Like, I ain't getting in that line. And they'll say, well, you, you, you just don't want to go through wrath. You are right. <laughs> I don't want to go through God's wrath. Now, here's what I'm not saying. The church is going to go through wrath. It always has. It was established going through wrath, and it will always be going through wrath. Just not God's wrath. Man's wrath. You following me? So a lot of people say, well, you're, then you don't believe that the, what's going on. There's wrath right now. We're, the church is in wrath now. Of course it is. It was born in that. Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. 
They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. So I don't not think that the church is going to have some problems. You're darn right we're going to have some problems. Put your seatbelt on. It's only just begun. But we have the power of God. Well, yeah, the Holy Spirit is sealed in us. Yeah, and I'm not going to have to worry about God's wrath. There's a huge difference between, look, I'll deal with you anytime. Now, you pour out God's wrath, and you're hiding in caves. You're praying that the rocks fall down on you, and you don't want to see his face. But I love him. I got nothing to fear. I, I am never going to run from his appearing. I'm never going to not want to be in his presence. You follow me? So what? Like, what should we be scared about? It says, what can man do to us? I don't have to, listen, guys, I don't have to prepare six years or seven years worth of food in a cave because Jesus told us, don't store up. Would you look at the birds? I feed them every single day. They have no place to store up their stuff. Isn't that what Jesus said? So I don't have to have any theology to put me to doing exactly opposite of what Jesus said. Well, what if I'm stuck here? What if we go through it? If we go through it, he will send ravens like he did for Elijah. If we go through it, he'll drop manna from heaven for me. Why? Because he's done that before. I don't have to store up and build caves and, and get some AKs to protect my food. Are you following me? That's a whole different theology. Jesus told me, look at the birds. I take care of them. Don't let your heart be troubled. Are you following me? If your theology is telling you to do things differently than what Jesus said, you need a new theology. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Isn't that what he said? He said, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms, and I'm going and preparing a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. Guess where we're going to be? On thrones, in the throne room, casting our crowns at his feet, singing the song of the redeemed, falling down and worshiping him in his presence, seeing him face to face. Keep reading chapter four. That's where we're headed. Do me a favor, begin to study the 24 elders. I'm going to give you a little nugget. That's us. Clear as mud. Do you understand the interval? Was that clear? It obviously wasn't seven years after the 69 weeks because T Jerusalem was destroyed 38 years later. After is just after. We're still in after, but not for long. Not for long. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I get so excited about your word. It's so awesome. Lord, we thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that fear would be gone. There's so much fear about this time. Lord, I bind fear. Lord, loose your freedom and your joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What a beautiful day. I love the day that we're in. What a great day. This is the most wrote, the most prophesied about time of all scripture, and we are in it. Lord, thank you that it is our opportunity to be ambassadors for you in the greatest time. 
Lord, that we can let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be light in a dark time. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us your peace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the, the armor of God. <laughs> you haven't left us naked. You've given us armor. You've commanded us to go forward, to take ground. Lord, we thank you, Lord. I believe the latter rain shall be greater. You saved the best wine for last. Lord, pour out your spirit and power upon your people. Lord, we want to see many people come to salvation. Lord, I pray for freedom. Lord, loose people's mouths. Let fear be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, let us get an understanding so we can be confident about your word and we can be confident about your return. We can be confident about where we're at in the midst of it. Lord, that we don't become proud or prideful about our position because Paul warned us about that. He said, don't get too proud and don't think that I've forsaken Israel. I've grafted you in. Lord, I pray, Lord, that people that think that they've replaced Israel, Lord, I pray that they would, Lord, come to their senses. Lord, I thank you for this nation and for this country. Lord, we lift up our leadership. I pray, God, they would come to their senses. Lord, I pray for Israel today. Lord, I pray that more and more Israelis, more and more Jewish people will come to salvation to know you as their Messiah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us use your word to rightly divide it so we can point people to truth. In Jesus' name, amen. you have for fun, go ahead and read um, chapter 11, or especially chapter 12. If you want to hear more about the Antichrist in the book of Daniel, he will break down all the different time periods. Um, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. It'll make a lot more sense when you read Matthew 24. And don't be afraid of prophecy. Amen?
took his time when I'm so behind. Look, uninspired, under fire, now somebody getting fired, terrified, paralyzed, Twitter game, verified, married life, verified, understand I'm on demand, under man, son of man, son of Sam, somewhere in between the two, I mean it too, spend the evening be with you, oh I know I need it too, do I believe, believe I do, on my faith walk, took the cynic, I mean the scenic route, get lost, I be aloof, Adidas on, spend me the was the eating fruit? I'll ask him when I see him. Steady bread, that's per diem. But I'm fasting like a beam. Riding past you in the PM. And a stolen car that's fleeing from the scene of a crime. Apollo Creed and his prime. Rocky verses. I'm a person that's trying to believe I'm worth it. I'm working through it. But work is well worth, but well worth it. It's hella churches still. Hell is working fine. What's that tell us? Fellas hurting. It's like melanin or crime. That's the elephant we hide. Truthfully, we probably lied. Rather have a tribe.
Good morning, New Life. Good morning, Facebook family. Thank you for joining us today. We're just take a moment real quick. Father God, we thank you for the invitation to come into your presence today. We thank you that you've made provision and you have a plan. And so we just walk into that plan and we say yes and amen to all that you have planned today. In Jesus' name, amen.
we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you conquered it all. Lord, thank you for this day. This is a day you've made, and we get to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to continue to minister to each and every one of us throughout the day, through the time of worship, through the word, through our pastor today. Father, I pray our ears will be open to hear what you would have to say to us. Lord, we thank you. We dedicate this time over and we just fix our minds upon you, Christ, upon you, Jesus, to grab hold of everything that you have in store for us today. We ask your blessing and anointing upon the remainder of our service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys going to hang out with me for a minute? Cool. <laughs> All right. So just a few announcements, and then we've got something special going on today. Um, today, in honor of Memorial Day, we do want to um, just say... Uh, you know, just remember all of those who have paid the ultimate price. Um, there will be a lot of people celebrating all around um, over this next couple of days on the holiday. But really it came with a great cost. So um, to all who have served, all who continue to serve, we want to say thank you. Because of them, it is the reason we get to freely stand in here and worship today. Um, and so it's not always easy for many, many people um, who, has, who have lost a loved one. Um, through uh, through uh, their time of service. So I just want to make sure that we give honor and uh, remember and lift those up. So tomorrow as you're um, in a time of celebration, when you wake up, just say a prayer for those who are mourning the loss of someone who they have lost, whether it um, was recently or many, many years ago. There are people who continue to deal with it. And so um, I want to make sure that we don't just blow past that this Memorial Weekend, that we do remember those who have paid the ultimate price. So um, thank you to those of you who serve and continue to serve um, our country on our behalf. Um, tomorrow, there is no marriage group. Um, we have, uh, well, I say we as if I did it. Um, you've, you've been given the night off um, because of the holiday. So um, if you show up, uh, just have a great time. Sit out front, worship, and enjoy your time with the Lord. And then go home and go, man, I should have listened to that announcement. Um, <laughs> Just saying. Um, men, coming up on June 12th is the shotgun breakfast. So sounds like a, a blast of a time, Richard. <laughs> right on. So uh, <laughs> 8 o'clock, men, the information is in the bulletin. There's a sign-up at the back sheet back there, and then you're going to carpool out to Comanche Hills, um, out to the, uh, the, the, the gun place out there where you can shoot, your, shoot off your shotguns and have a great time. You can tell I'm not a gun person, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the guns my dad left me went straight to my son. I just <laughs> so, uh, anyways, you'll have a great time, and you'll get to talk to people who know what they're actually talking about with a gun. So aim and shoot. That's all I know. <laughs> all right, we have something uh, special this morning, and we'll do that before we um, dismiss the kids out with you guys. So I'm going to have uh, Pastor Steve has got some uh, special stuff for our graduates. have our class of 2021 please come forward you seniors come on <laughs> this is in no particular order so 
There you go. I don't know if you guys could tell they're twins, and I got it right. Oh my gosh. I didn't get it right. What the heck? You guys switching it up on me. You wore each other's clothes. Yeah, see, that's not fun. Well, I'd like to pray over these guys, and if you guys would um, just stretch forth your hand, and I just want to tell you guys how proud I am of you guys, um, each one of you. And there's a handful of others that um, I might have you guys take some uh, presents back. But um, just thank you guys for being a part of the church, and uh, I know these three a lot. I've known you since you were little, little, and you guys since you were, well, I don't think you were ever really little, little, but... <laughs> Did they got me? Yeah. Dang it. I got flat shoes, so do you, darn it. <laughs> yeah, I need a step stool. Um, you guys have been uh, close friends with Becca and just um, in our lives for quite some time and watching you play sports. And you guys did um, beat Calaveras from, from what I saw. Well, being from Calaveras... It was pretty even, I guess. They got you the first time, and you guys got them the second time. So I'm glad that happened for your sake. At least it was even. If you guys whooped them twice, we might have had a problem. But just saying. Um, I wish I could have got to watch you guys play this year. You guys kind of got hosed in the, the whole COVID deal. But um, I'm very proud of you guys and your plans for your future. And um, we want to make sure that um, we're praying over them. And uh, that as you go forward, I want to challenge each one of you guys to no matter where you go, to let your light shine, all right? Some of the greatest, especially colleges now, um, some of the greatest opportunities for um, evangelism in a mission field for real is on a college campus, yeah. amen? A lot of attack, a lot of persecution against Christians and their beliefs, and I know uh, you guys are pretty strong and you'll be able to stand the, stand the course, and they're pretty blessed they're going to a Christian university, but even at Christian schools, <laughs> there's a lot. I went to a Christian school, and, and uh, just saying. <laughs> um, and what are you guys doing? Um, I'm already in college. Already in college? Yes. Uh, I've been in college. Well, give me this back then. No, I've been in college for about two months now. It is very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you guys going? What are you doing? Oh, we're going to Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. They're going together. I know that made mom and dad happy. Amen. That had to be hard, right? You'd be growing up together all that time, and then I was like, man, this is going to be rough if they go to schools apart. And at some point, I know it's going to happen, but pretty cool you guys get to stay together. Hey, let's pray over them and uh, bless them. Amen. Lord, we thank you for our, our youth, for these young women. And uh, Lord, we ask that, Lord, your blessing would just rest on them. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that um, it's such a, <laughs> can be a very trying time and uh, wanting to figure out. And uh, we set our plans and our sights on things, Lord. And we know um, as we're getting older and we start growing and, and aiming at things, Lord, sometimes those things can change. 
We just ask that, Lord, you would guide their path. Lord, that you would just highlight the best path for them. Lord, that you would go before them. Lord, that you would walk with them through this next um, time of their life, Lord, of adulthood and leaving the home and, and uh, just beginning to really fulfill um, the call and the plans that you had for them as they were babies and in their mother's womb. Lord, we just thank you. We ask for protection, Lord. I pray a hedge of protection around them. Lord, a fiery hedge that was around Job that Satan could not penetrate. He had to get permission. And Lord, I just place that you'd ask, ask that you place a hedge like that around them, Lord, that the enemy could not penetrate. Lord, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. Proud of you guys. Hey, give them a hand. Hey. Right on. That's a huge accomplishment. So thank you, ladies. You guys could be seated. All right, we'll let you sit down if you want. But I will say with, um, with that, tonight uh, at 6 o'clock at Grace Fellowship is the way that Amador County Churches, we, we've come together to honor our seniors. We've done this for many, many years. So at 6 o'clock tonight at Grace Fellowship is the baccalaureate service. So if you can come out and be a part and support, support them. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to come out and do that. You got something else you want to say? What? Um, that was my last one. I was saving it. Now we're going to do offering. But you got something else? If I could have um, Stan and Shirley Hampton come up. I wanted to um, have them share a testimony. Did you not know? I thought I communicated. That's his practice. Okay, I did. Thank you. Don't freak me out like that. <laughs> I'm like... Am I tripping? Was that a dream? <laughs> you know, when you have a past like mine, sometimes you can, you know. Um, <laughs> anyways, I wanted to share a testimony, and then um, we're going to take a cloth and uh, pray over that and um, just pray. And we've been praying as a family for um, the final, complete um, victory in this. Amen? Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. Um, you know, um, this is just kind of one of our Saturdays. Um, we woke up, and we have nine grandkids, so we try to share, <laughs> try to juggle all these grandkids and try to see them. So we went to a um, couple baseball games, but in our morning of prayer, um, we always pray. It's just, God, um, you know our agenda, but we want to be here to serve you and glorify you. And so if that changes our agenda, so be it. So... Um, so we were at the game and everything, and then um, Stan and I are um, chaplains. We're law enforcement chaplains um, here in Amador County, and we serve six different agencies. Our primary responsibility is to our officers, and sometimes the officers just need the presence um, of a chaplain due to a critical incident. So we are first responders to the first responders. We are the church on call 24-7, 365. Um, so we get a phone call um, from dispatch, and we were um, asked to uh, on call to a possible baby drowning. And so we said yes, and as soon as we say yes to a call, we start praying. And so Stan and I are praying. We're you know, praying for protection. We're praying for God to move mightily through us as we put on our uniforms and go to a critical incident. So we're we're getting ready, we're using our, um, getting our uniforms on, and while we're getting our uniforms on, dispatch calls us again and says, um, 
we're no longer going to the residence of this possible baby drowning, we're going to the ER. A prayer has been answered already because you don't go to the ER on a coroner's case. So we went to the ER. And I don't know, probably most of you guys have seen the scene of an ER. It is very um, chaotic. It's very, um, it, it's just a chaotic scene. It, it's, you know, the doctors are moving in and around and there's machines going and everybody's just doing their own business. And praise God for all the first responders and the nurses and the doctors because they are there to serve unconditionally and to help everybody. So as I walked into the scene, I walked into, we walked into the ER and it was the general um, emergency room scene. Everybody's running around doing their thing. But I seen a young mother sitting over there and she was frantic. She was um, hysterical. <laughs> she was uncontrollably shaking. She was in a state of shock. And she was, had found her baby on the bottom of her pool. And so I went in as a chaplain, sat down and introduced myself to this mother, um, and she was just, um, the baby was over there on the bed, and she was white, she was breathless, she was lifeless. And I started talking to the mother, and as chaplains do, we just bring in the presence of God. Um, and so I started talking to the mother, and with a chaplain, we have to... Um, it is a chaplaincy, is a ministry of presence, and it's a ministry of permission. So us, as representing the law enforcement entity of a government, we cannot go in and say, oh, let me just pray for you. We have to kind of wait. We pray. <laughs> Believe me, we pray, but just not out loud. And we have to ask for permission, whoever we're trying to minister to. And so I'm talking to this mother, and she says, God, you know, she just caught started calling out, God, please don't take my baby. God, please don't take my baby. So that opened my door. <laughs> it's like, okay, so do you believe in a God? You know, And she says, I know God, but I don't know him. I don't know of him. And so I said, can I pray? And so we prayed. And it was, it, it's speechless. As I'm sitting with this mother in this emergency room, watching this 19-month-old baby trying to survive for life. This mother is crying out to God to save her baby, and I said, let's just pray. And for two hours, we were in that emergency room. The medics came, and they were trying to air flight the baby because they needed to take her to a different hospital, and they couldn't stabilize her because every time she moved, every time they tried to move this little 19-month-old little baby, the, the tube would come out, and she would not breathe anymore and so it took two hours so me and this mother were sitting there and we prayed but I'm sure as much as you know when there's chaotic scene going on sometimes there's no words sometimes you don't know what to say anymore and so I just started naming the name of Jesus I just I just, just Jesus 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 I mean that's all I could say anymore was just the name of Jesus and this mother who didn't know of a Jesus she was saying the baby's name I said, just keep calling out that baby's name. And I just kept calling out Jesus. And we'd get up and we'd go over and stand over the baby. And then we'd go sit down, let the doctors do it. Two, almost three hours went on like this. And um, finally, the baby's color came back. The heartbeat started beating. 
and um, it was it was just mighty. It was like the Holy Spirit just showed up mightily. Um, it was like I listened to her and heard that the name, um, you know, Jesus. The miracle was that the presence of the Holy Spirit filled this room. It was like a thin air, almost even a sacred atmosphere. I don't know if you guys have ever prayed like that. When you're praying and you just, you're seeing death, and then you see life come out of that death, the presence of God is there. I mean, it is just like, it, it's, it's, uh, it's like a sacred atmosphere. It's like a thin atmosphere of God, and it, it is just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, um, yeah, as I waited, um, so we just prayed. Each time the mom would call out and touch her daughter, the baby's stats would change. Um, the doctors called this a mother stimulation. <laughs> it was a God stimulation, <laughs> you know. I mean, they they did. So, um, you know, it, in John 14, 12, 14, it, Jesus tells us, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will get, I, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I watched the name of Jesus keep this baby alive here on earth. I, held, I felt the presence of the Lord in the chaotic incident. I seen the pale, lifeless baby's color return, and her heart started to beat. I know the name of Jesus comforted a mother in her worst nightmare. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus, and this name brings the Father his glory due. I started off that day with, Lord, Lord whatever brings you glory, I'll do. I had no idea that that's what was going to be it. Praise God, the baby is alive. She is stable. She does have a little bit of brain damage, so she does need continued prayer. She's 19 months old, um, and we are believing that she can outgrow this brain. This brain, um, She is going to get full function of her brain, and that's what we're going to believe, and we're going to stand it, and I can almost guarantee we're going to see that family in this church someday. to just pray and continue to pray um, that this little child would be fully restored. Um, we were praying last night as a family, and, and you know, our God's awesome. He's an awesome God. There's nothing impossible for our God. Um, you need to take impossible out of your vocabulary when you talk about God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still does miracles. We've seen miracles. I've watched cancer, stage four cancer, patriotic, patriotic, pancreatic cancer, which is a death sentence, reverse. I've seen lower halves of hearts that were destroyed be made new. Yes. I prayed for someone that was gray, and they did come back to life. I didn't, I didn't get to watch the color come back. They left in an ambulance, and I just began to beg God. They didn't change while I was praying. I said, Lord, if they don't know you, at least give them an opportunity for I don't know how long, just so they can cry out to you. And we got the word that they went to the hospital, they came back to life, they lived for probably half of a day, and then they died. Thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> I believe that was divine inter 
intervention. I've also prayed and, and seen it wasn't, it didn't happen. I don't know. I don't, I wish, you know, the, I don't know how that works, but I know our job is to believe. That's what I know. Our job is to follow through and lay hands on the sick. And the Bible says they shall recover. I know that I saw in the book of Acts when people weren't there, that there was handkerchiefs that were taken from Paul. There was shadows of Peter that would, that would heal people. So we're going to take a cloth and we're going to believe and we're going to put some oil on it, which represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks every yoke of bondage. Amen. So we're just going to believe that that yoke of um, brain damage will be broken. We're going to believe that what God has started, he will accomplish and finish perfectly, that there will not be any, any more um, residual effects from that drowning. Amen. Amen. So if you were a believer and you'd like to come up and pray and, uh, and agree with us, I would love to, to have you be a part of that. Okay. The rest of you, if you don't want to get out of your seat, you can stay right where you're at. That's totally fine. But let's lift. Um, what was the baby's name? Skylar. If you could go ahead and just play a little something, Becca, that'd be awesome. You guys can, you can just touch this. Father, we just lift up Skylar to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're all powerful. You're almighty. There's no distance in you. <laughs> Lord, as we touch this cloth, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, begin to touch Skylar in power. Lord, we bind every effect of the accident in the name of Jesus. All trauma, all effect from drowning, go in the name of Jesus. Life, full life, full every function, every um, nerve, fire the way you were intended. Lord, every uh, part of that brain, Lord, that's been damaged, we've called to um, come back in full strength. Lord, all brain damage cease. I pray that every nerve, all the firing that would happen in the electrical part of the brain, Lord, would function as it was intended. Lord, we come against every assignment of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy, and we proclaim life, an abundance of life. No, no weapon formed against this child will prosper. No weapon formed against this child shall prosper. We just declare goodness and freedom and mercy over this child. Mercy of God flow over this baby right now. Mercy of God flow over this baby right now. You're a good God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is nothing too difficult for our God. And Lord, in the authority that in the name of Jesus, be made whole. In Jesus' name, the name that's above all, in the name of Jesus, be whole. In Jesus' name, brain damage, go, flee. We thank you, Lord, that there is life and abundance of life in the name of Jesus. You're the resurrection and the life. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. You're a good God. You're a good God. Lord, we just thank you for Skylar. Lord, we thank you for the work that you have prepared for her in advance. We thank you, Lord, that she will be a light in a dark time. Lord, that she will be a testimony of your goodness, Lord, from this day forward. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that through her, her family will come to salvation. Lord, that many, many, many people, Lord, who come across Skylar as this, this little girl grows up, Lord, will see the testimony and the goodness of God, and she will forever, Lord, be a, a mark and, a, and a, a pile of stones of remembrance, Lord, of your goodness. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for standing surely, Lord. Lord, we just pray a um, blessing over standing surely, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, and bind any effect, Lord, of, of stress, Lord, of trauma, Lord, from being in these situations. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your peace would cover them. Lord, that you would let your weighty peace rest upon them. Lord, that, Lord, that the load that is carried at times, God, would be lifted. 
Lord, that the things that they've seen, Lord, that would try to torment them would have no effect in the name of Jesus. Lord, we plead the blood of Christ over their minds, over their ears, Lord, over their eyes. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that they will walk by faith and not by sight. We declare faith over them, God. Lord, that where they come in, Lord, the presence of God would go with them, Lord. Lord, we thank you that they're not alone, that you have not left them alone. We thank you for this call and for the answer to the call. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The last, uh, the last time we prayed and anointed one of those cloths, the young lady was in a heart failure, horrible situation, was not looking well, and the Lord has reversed that. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to go ahead and take offering, or let the kids come up. Um, leave, leave this on your mind as we, I'm going to have the kids come up, and then we're going to worship the Lord in our offering, and just come continue to worship, continue to enter in. And as um, you go throughout this, this day and, and um, when Skylar comes on your mind, just, just continue to pray and bombard heaven and uh, bind that attack, okay? Like I, we want to believe and, and, and see a complete, complete, complete miracle. Right on. Well, if you haven't made your way up this way, kids, come on up. I'm going to go over past you. You're always standing behind me, Jesse. <laughs> Would you stretch out your hands? Father, we thank you. Lord, thank you for our kids here. We ask your blessing and your anointing upon their time. Lord, thank you for the anointing you have upon Miss Abelina and Miss Lourdes. Father, as they speak into their lives, Lord, we ask that you would bless them. Lord, that they would grab hold of your word and of your love for them. As we send them out to learn about you, God, just um, keep your hand upon them, but speak to each of them personally. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys are welcome. Follow have a great time. Hey, he snuck in behind me. <laughs> we have the plates over here, the boxes in the back. I'm going to pray over offering. And as, uh, as we conclude with prayer, we'll take just a second. And then um, we'll turn it back over to Stephanie and the team. And then we'll have the ushers pick the plates up. If for some reason you missed it, um, the box is back there. And I know many of you do like to give online or text in. That's it attached into the bulletin or up on the screen, and you can do it that way. So, Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of this body. Lord, thank you, God, that you are a God who continues to move and do miraculous. Father, we thank you for the work that you've already been doing, and, Lord, we, will, we look forward to what you continue to do in our lives and the lives of people in our community. Father, thank you for the faithfulness of this body to give into good soil. Lord, our desire and our goal is to see many, many Jesus come to know you personally as Lord and Savior over their life. So, Lord, bless the gift and the giver, Lord, and receive today. Multiply it to meet the needs to reach our community with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
So if you've come prepared at this time, the plates are here, the boxes in the back.
this moment, Father. Forgetting our weak, forgetting the problems that we stare at and that we allow to become bigger than you. Father, we lift our eyes from our circumstances onto you today, the author and finisher of our faith. God, we lift our eyes to you. God, that we may see your glory. God, not seeing what we think you to be, but God, reveal to us in new depths who you are and who you are in every situation and who you are in us this morning. God, that we not miss an invitation to come and to sit with you and hear you speak to our hearts this morning. God, don't let us miss your invitation this morning. Just as you
Lord, you're beautiful. One of these days, it ain't not going to be long. We're going to be gathered around the throne, the throne room of heaven, the command center of heaven and earth, seated on thrones. And we're going to be dressed in white raiment. We're going to have golden crowns at our feet. And we're going to see him face to face, just as he is. And I promise you, you're going to say, you're beautiful. It says we're going to take our crowns and we're going to throw them at his feet. And we're going to lay down prostrate before him and worship the lamb. Church, I got to say, if you don't feel comfortable worshiping the Lord today, you might be out of place. We're going to be doing that a long time. We're going to be singing a song that's reserved for the redeemed. That's what the book of Revelation tells us. But we'll be seated around the throne in chapter 5 that the 24 elders sing the song. It's a new song. It's the song of the redeemed. And only the redeemed can sing that song. Amen? Amen? We're going to be singing, you're beautiful, Lord. We're going to be face to face. We're not going to have to talk about him like he's not in the room. We're going to be able to look right at him. We're going to be able to sing right to him. That day's coming soon, I believe. Amen? Amen. Thank you, worship team. I want to say, I, I want to thank and just get you to, to ponder as we celebrate Memorial Day that we're not thanking soldiers that are here with us. That's Veterans Day. We are recognizing the men and women who have fought for our country that have given the, given the ultimate sacrifice. And I can't think of any greater way to honor someone who has went to fight for our country for our freedoms than to be free. You hear me? The greatest thing we could do as Americans for Memorial Day is to be free. To celebrate your freedom. 